Who are the Edomites? If you look up the Edomites in Google, you will find that they are the descendants of Esau. They're also called Idumea in the Bible. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Thank you for tuning in today. I want to show you some things you may not have seen before. And that's what I like to do on this podcast. Well, the Edomites are kind of an interesting group because they descended from Esau. What was Esau's problem? He was the firstborn from Isaac. Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau, and they were twin boys. Well, the first to come out was Esau, and uh, the second, obviously, was Jacob. And you can read the details of that in Genesis. But what was the problem that he had? Why was he rebellious and stubborn? We're going to explore that just a little bit here. Let's go to Genesis chapter 33, for example. Maybe we'll explore a little further. Uh, Let's see. The birth of Isaac, that's in chapter 21. Chapter 25, the death of Abraham... And uh, we'll make our way here. Okay. This is when um, Jacob had deceived his dad, his dad Isaac, by pretending at his mother's bequest. In other words, she incited him to do this so that he could get her or the blessing from the father rather than the firstborn. So he deceived him by putting uh, skins, hairy skins, on his hands and wearing Esau's clothes so that he smelled like Esau. The field, he was a, a guy that went out in the field and hunted. So he got the blessing. Here's the way it reads in the NLT. Then Isaac said to Jacob, this is chapter 27, uh, verse 26 of Genesis, Please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced that this was Esau. And he blessed his son. He said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed. And then he gives him the blessing. From the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. Verse 29, May many nations become your servants. May they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers. Hmm. And may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed. 
and all who bless you will be blessed. As soon as Jake, or, um, Esau, Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, almost before Jacob had even left his father, Esau returned from his hunt. See, Isaac had sent him out to hunt some wild game like he liked and cook it up and serve him a delicious meal, which is exactly what Esau prepared to do. He did what his father asked. He prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his father. And then he said, sit up, my father, and eat my wild game so you can give me your blessing. But Isaac said to or, but Isaac asked him, Who are you? Esau replied, It's your son, your firstborn son, Esau. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and then said, Then who was it that served me wild game and I've already eaten it and I blessed him just before you came? And yes, that blessing must stand when Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me, too, he begged. But Isaac said, your brother was here and he tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has cheated me twice. First he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you even one blessing for me? Isaac said to Esau, I have made Jacob your master, and I have declared that all his brothers will be his servants. I have guaranteed him an abundance of grain and wine. What is left for me to give to you, my son? Esau pleaded, but do you have only one blessing? Oh, my father, bless me too. Then Esau broke down and wept. Finally, his father Isaac said to him, You will live away from the richness of the earth and away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. But when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from off your neck. From that time on, verse 41, Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing, and Esau began to scheme, I will soon be mourning my father's death, then I will kill my brother Jacob. And so the feud deepens. It deepens. Now, what did Esau do? He married foreign women. And he may have done this out of rebellion against his parents. He saw that his mother, Rebekah, uh, pulled this fast one for Jacob and pushed him into it. And then he saw Jacob actually perform it. He pulled it off and deceived his father, who was almost blind. So the feud deepens, and it's also a rift between his parents, Esau and Jacob's parents, and um, Isaac and Rebekah.
And so what did they um, what did they say? Well, they had taught him well about marrying into foreign women and, you know, uh, having children through them and so forth. Listen to what it says in verse 42. But Rebekah heard about Esau's plans, so she sent for Jacob and told him, Listen, Esau is consoling himself by plotting to kill you. So listen carefully, my son. Get ready and flee from or to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay there with him until your brother cools off. Then, when he calms down and forgets what you have done to him, I will send for you to come back. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, verse 46, chapter 27, Genesis, I am sick and tired of these local Hittite women. I would rather die than see Jacob marry one of them. Now, why would she say such a thing? Because these were idol worshipers who worshipped a stone god or uh, Chemosh or Moloch or Allah or one of the other pagan foreign gods. And she didn't want her favorite, um, Jacob, to go after them and marry into that. Well, that's exactly what Esau did. In chapter 28, verse 6, we read this, Esau knew that his father Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him to Paddan Aaron to find a wife, and that he had warned Jacob, You must not marry a Canaanite woman. He also knew that Jacob had obeyed his parents, and gone to Paddan Aram. It was now very clear to Esau that his father did not like the local Canaanite women. Well, that's why, because they were foreign, and they worshipped foreign gods, not their god, not Jehovah. So Esau visited his uncle's, or his uncle Ishmael's family, and uh, married one of Ishmael's daughters in addition to the wives he already had. His wife's name was Mahalalah. She was the sister of Neboeth, the daughter of Ishmael, is uh, Abraham's son. So where do we find the taboo against marrying foreign women? Well, that's going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 7, and verses 2 through 5. Deuteronomy 7. When the, well, I'll read verse 1. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are about to enter and occupy, he will clear away many nations ahead of you, including the Hittites. Right there it is the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. These seven nations are greater and more numerous than you. When the Lord your God hands these nations over to you and you conquer them, you must completely destroy them. 
In other words, man, woman, and child, young or old. Make no trees with them. Show them no mercy. You must not intermarry with them. Verse 3. Do not let your daughters and sons marry their sons and daughters, for they will lead your children away from me to worship other gods. Little g. Then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and he will quickly destroy you. This is what you must do. You must break down their pagan altars and shatter their sacred pillars, cut down their Asherah poles, and burn their idols. For you are a holy people, and you belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his special treasure. God didn't want them to go down. He didn't want them to be destroyed. He, didn't, he knew that though, uh, those idols, those gods, would destroy them. The Lord did not set his heart on you and, cho- and choose you because you're more numerous than other nations, for you were the smallest of all the nations, Israel. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you, and he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God, the one and only, in other words. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant. He means what he says, and he says what he means. For a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commandments or his commands. But he does not hesitate to punish and destroy those who reject him. Therefore, you must obey all these commands, decrees, and regulations I am giving you this day. If you listen to these regulations and faithfully obey them, The Lord your God will keep his covenant of unfailing love with you, and he promised, or as he promised, with an oath to your ancestors. He will love you and bless you, and he will give you many children. You will live, or he will give fertility to your land and your animals. When you arrive in the land he swore to to give to your ancestors, You will have large harvests of grain, new wine, olive oil, and great herds of cattle and sheep and goats. You will be blessed above all the nations, excuse me, all the nations of the earth. None of your men or women will be childless, and all your livestock will bear young. And the Lord your God will protect you from all sickness. He will not let you suffer from the terrible diseases you knew in Egypt, but he will inflict them on your enemies. You must destroy all the nations the Lord your God hands over to you. Show them no no mercy and do not worship their gods or they will trap you. 
Perhaps you think to yourselves, how can we ever conquer these nations that are so much more powerful than we are? But don't be afraid of them. Just remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and all the land of Egypt. Remember the great terrors the Lord your God sent against them. You saw it with your own eyes. And remember the miracles, the signs and wonders, the strong and powerful arm and hand of the Lord when he brought you out of the land of Egypt. The Lord your God will use this same power against all the people you fear. And then the, te- the Lord your God will send terror to drive out the few survivors still hiding from you. And you can read the rest of this. Now, where are they today? Well, you can Google that and find out. The Edomites spread all over Europe, and especially lately. Do you know that Kosovo is 95% Muslim at 1.82 million living in Kosovo? Where, pray tell, is Kosovo? Well, in, uh, if you Google it, you'll find Wikipedia, who says it's defined in an area of 10,908 square kilometers, or 4,212 square miles. Kosovo is landlocked in the center of the Balkans and bordered by the uncontested territory of Serbia to the north and east in the Republic of Macedonia to the southeast, and Albania to the southwest, and Montenegro to the west. Well, that pretty much nails it, so long as you know where all those countries are. And so, anyway, it's just north of Greece, actually, in that area. But uh, with 95% of the population being Muslim, what about Albania, neighboring Albania? 60% Muslim, 1.72 million of them there. Well, I understand that uh, there are some 2 billion Muslims on the planet. Well, if they're a Muslim, are they, they an Edomite? Are they an Idumenian? Are they um, um, a descendant of Esau? Well, I would say if they're not a a direct bloodline descendant of Esau, they are by extension of Esau's manner of life, worshiping a foreign god. This is not Jehovah. Let's face it, Jehovah is very different from Allah. Macedonia and Bosnia. Bosnia has 50% Muslims, and that's at 1.76 million of them. Macedonia, 35%. Cyprus, the island of Cyprus, 25% Muslim. Montenegro, 25% or no, 125,000 of them there. Russia, what about Russia? 17.2% Muslim. Wow. 
And you can, you can figure out or find out the rest. Just Google it. But that was a statistic I read from 2016. By now, it's many more than that, probably. So why am I telling you all this? Well, let's go on over to the book of Obadiah. Here's what's going to happen to uh, the Edomites, the Idumeans, and his type of uh, worshipers. This is the vision that the Sovereign Lord revealed to Obadiah concerning the land of Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord that an ambassador was sent to the nations to say, Get ready, everyone. Let's assemble our armies and attack Edom. The Lord says to Edom, I will cut you down to size among the nations. You will be greatly despised. Hmm. You have been deceived by your own pride because you live in a rock fortress and made your home high in the mountains. Now, I think that's talking about Petra, and that's in Jordan. Who can ever reach us way up here, you ask boastfully. But even if you soar as high as eagles and build your nest among the stars, I will bring you crashing down, says the Lord. If thieves came at night and robbed you, what a disaster awaits you. They would not take everything. Those who harvest grapes always leave a few for the poor. But your enemies will wipe you out completely. Every nook and cranny of Edom will be searched and looted. Every treasure will be found and taken. Your allies will also turn against you, all of them. They will help to chase you from your land. They will, be, or they will promise you peace while plotting to deceive and destroy you. Your trusted friends will set traps for you, and you won't even know about it. At that time, not a single wise person will be left in the whole land of Edom, says the Lord. For on the mountains of Edom, I will destroy everyone who has understanding. The mightiest warriors of Timon will be terrified, and everyone on the mountains of Edom will be cut down in the slaughter. Why? Why would, why would God allow that or cause that? Verse 10, because of the violence you did to your close relatives in Israel, you will be filled with shame and destroyed forever. When they, are, when they were invaded, you stood aloof, refusing to help them. They were their own kin. Foreign invaders carried off their wealth and cast lots to divide up Jerusalem. Is that going on today? Oh, yeah. That feud has not died down. It's bigger and badder than ever. But you acted like one of Israel's enemies. <laughs> exactly. You should not have gloated when they exiled excuse me, exiled your relatives to distant lands, you should not have rejoiced when the people of Judah suffered such misfortune. You should not have spoken arrogantly in that terrible time of trouble. You should not have plundered the land of Israel when 
they were suffering such a calamity. You should not have gloated over their destruction when they were suffering such a calamity. You should not have seized their wealth when they were suffering such a calamity. You should not have stood at the crossroads killing those who tried to escape. You should not have captured the survivors and handed them over for their, uh, in their terrible time of trouble. The day is near when I, the Lord, Jehovah, in other words, will judge all godless nations. As you have done to Israel, so it shall be done to you. All your evil deeds will fall back on your own heads. Just as you swallowed up my people on my holy mountain, so you and the surrounding nations, in other words, the associates, the allies of Edomites, will swallow the punishment I pour out on you. Yes, all you nations will drink and stagger and disappear from history. Whoa! But Jerusalem, on the other hand, in other words, will become a refuge for those who escape. It will be a holy place, and the people of Israel will come back to reclaim their inheritance. That's exactly what we see happening today. Verse 18, Obadiah. It's only got one chapter. The people of Israel will be a raging fire, and and Edom a field of dry stubble. The descendants of Joseph will be a flame, roaring across the field, devouring everything. There will be no survivors in Edom. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then my people, living in the Negev, will occupy the mountains of Edom, in other words, Petra, and those living in the foothills of Judah will possess the Philistine plains and take over the fields of Ephraim and Samaria, present-day Syria, I believe. And the people of Benjamin will occupy the land of Gilead. The exiles of Israel will return to their land and occupy the Phoenician cities as far north as Zarephath. The captives from Jerusalem, exiled in the north, will return home and resettle in the towns of the Negev. Those who have been rescued will go up to Mount Zion in Jerusalem to rule over the mountains of Edom, and the Lord himself will be king. Wow. And that's the end of the chapter. So what do we make of all this? Well, let's check out one more scripture, and that's in uh, Jeremiah chapter 51 and verse, well, you can read all of chapter 50 and 51, but the sword will strike her treasures and it just goes on and on and on. And it's talking about the Babylonians, which is one of the peoples in the area, will strike her counselors, and they will become fools. Verse 36, chapter 50. And you can just keep going. The sword will strike her horses, and so on and so forth. But all the gods 
that did not create the heavens and the earth, all the pagan foreign women follower gods, in other words, the um, Asherah poles and all the gods except Jehovah will perish from off the earth. Where's that found? Jeremiah 10, 11. Um, let's see what that says here. Jeremiah chapter 10, uh, verse 10, 10, 10. But the Lord is the only true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. The whole earth trembles at his anger. The nations cannot stand up to his wrath. So say this to those who worship other gods, your so-called gods, little g, who did not make the heavens and the earth will vanish from the earth and from under these heavens. But God made the earth by his power. That's a lot of power. I couldn't make a blade of grass. How about you? And he preserves the earth by his wisdom. He used his own understanding to stretch out the heavens. Whoa. And when he speaks in the thunder, the heavens roar with rain. He causes the clouds to rise over the earth. He sends lightning in the rain and releases the wind from his storehouses. The whole human race is foolish and has no knowledge. Apparently no knowledge of this. But anyway, I can see by the clock on the wall, I have to go. But these idols have no breath and no power. The idols are worthless and they are ridiculous lies. You can read that. Read the whole chapter idolatry brings destruction. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. I hope you've got something good out of this, and I'll catch you next time. You can go to my website, itellwhy.com, and read things about building your faith. I'll catch you next time. Have a great day.